On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space, I remembered how the gemstones have this vibration and how I'm learning about chakras and how they are associated. And then it started to come together for me. Like, okay, all of these things can be a part of my healing journey. So journaling, my way of meditation, wearing gemstones and setting intentions, those things were able to put me on a path that felt restorative and healing for me. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Are you currently a resident of the state of California? and contemplating starting your therapy journey? Well, if so, please reach out to me at drdominiquebroussard.com. That's D-R-D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D.com to schedule a free 15-minute consultation. I look forward to hearing from you. So, lady, today we have a very special guest in Cultivating Her Space. Ashley McLemore is an inclusion expert who studied race and gender for over 10 years. She's guided employees impacted by bias and the damaging effects of career burnout through private coaching and advisement. In addition to her lived experience as a Black queer woman, she holds a master's degree in health education, concentrating on race, gender, and sexuality. In her coaching, she utilizes the healing vibrations of gemstone bracelets and incorporates color therapy and dance whenever she can. Ashley also facilitates transformative conversations in safer spaces as an advisor to wellness and creative brands with a vision of a liberated world where assimilation and code switching doesn't exist at work or anywhere else. I love that kind of world, okay? Ashley, welcome to Cultivating Her Space, girl. Thank you so much for having me. We are so excited for this conversation. And so we are going to jump right in with our quote of the day, which Ashley will sound familiar to you because these are your words. So we're going to keep this quote of the day short and sweet, but right to the point. Ashley McLemore says, Put your healing in your hands. And I'm going to say that one more time for the people in the back in case I said it too fast and you didn't catch it. Put your healing 
in your hands. Now, Ashley, today we are talking about the healing power of gemstones and incorporating that into the work that you do. And so when you hear your words in our quote of the day, what what inspired those words? Well, when I first hear it, I think, wow, someone's quoted me. That's cool. But secondly, really, I think that a lot of people believe that they need to ask for permission from someone or get this answer outside of themselves, but they really have the healing that they need within them, in their hands, within within themselves. That is so beautiful. And I am so intrigued. I cannot wait to hear more about how you use this this healing power of gemstones. But first, Ashley, let's dive into your origin story. What personal and professional experiences led to where you are today? So many, and I will not list them all, but I spent a good portion, almost 10 years, working in the fashion and retail industry. So my bachelor's degree is in fashion merchandising and marketing, and that is actually where I started studying race and gender. And during that time, I was just intrigued to learn more about people that look like me and trying to understand why things were the way that they were. So I took college writing with a concentration on African-American literature. Then I took Pan-African studies and just continued to evolve my learning there, but went into the fashion industry and worked for these private showrooms. I did New York Fashion Week and I got tired of that after burning out a couple times. We might talk about that at some point and decided to use my gifts for helping people beyond styling them or beyond their jewelry. And in some way, I'm still doing some jewelry in there, which is funny, but I decided to get into public health. And that's when I went and started to learn more about coaching, motivational interviewing, research studies, and just all of these public health strategies that are used to improve and change behavior. And that's when the more of the service, more of the coaching components came, came into place. I appreciate the diversity within your background because I think what your, what your background demonstrates to us is that there is not a linear path to any career, right? That we, we don't have to follow the, the quote-unquote playbook to getting into the career that we're meant to be in, getting into the spaces that we're meant to be in. And so, Ashley, can you share with us how did working in some of these high-end and luxury spaces inform the work that you do specifically with Black women? Yeah, so I would say a lot of the, really the luxury and the privilege that I witnessed from wealthy people of all races, but mostly white races and ethnicity, they were carefree and, you know, would spend $80, $100 on a candle in Bergdorf Goodman. I was in charge of all the jewelry over $150,000 a piece, not the whole stock, one item. 
<laughs> so millions and millions of dollars. And I observed how people would, people, whether with money or they just spent the money, I don't really know, but they would indulge and enjoy expensive things, but nice things, luxurious things. And what that was a totally different world than where I grew up, what I experienced growing up and how I saw the use of money. And so, for example, my very first massage experience was working was a Christmas gift. They gave all the sales associates, or in my case, I was doing inventory, a $250 gift card for a massage at this luxury spa resort in, I want to say it was off of either Park or Fifth Avenue. So if you know anything about New York, you know that was fancy. Okay. And I was, I don't know, early 20s. And I walk into this place, they give you your own robe, your own shoes. They have food and tea laid out everywhere. Excuse me, what is this? And I found out a lot of the staff were actually giving these away or selling them to people because they didn't want it. But I was like, I need to know what this experience is. And that is what I took from that world is Black people and Black women can have luxurious things. And maybe that means you might save a couple checks or a percentage of a couple checks to have that whatever luxurious experience that you want to have. But it is well worth it. And we, as Black women, are worth that $250 massage or whatever that luxurious thing may be. And so that is one thing that I really have taken away from, from being around people with or just spending money. Wow. You know, I think that that is what I appreciate about that is that when we get into spaces that we haven't necessarily been welcomed in, we learn so much, right? And so what are some of the, in addition to this lesson of we deserve, right? As Black women, we deserve. What are some of the other lessons that you learn from working in some of these high-end spaces or these spaces in general that where you don't see a lot of us? I would say that I also just really watching how people operate and move and one of, and another job at a private jeweler that I work for, the one of the managers owners was would just yell scream it was it was very much a toxic workplace and i was newer to the team i was the only black woman and it's a small company so maybe five or six people and one of the managers somehow she just she knew how to handle it and i i told her one day i said i need to learn that I now understand I don't need to learn that. But at the time, I thought that this, this I recognized her ability to stay calm in the face of someone literally yelling at you as a skill to not 
resort back to what I've known when someone yells at you is to respond and react and defend yourself, whether verbally or otherwise, right? So as I'm observing this other person not responding in kind to this person yelling at them, I thought, oh, this is a superpower. I need to figure out how you're able to do that. And I think part of it is definitely useful in, what do they say, fight your fight your battles, learn which battles to fight or something along those lines. That's definitely part of what I learned from that experience. And then the other part is recognizing when it's time to go. People yelling and throwing stuff around the office, that's not the move. (laughs) That's not it. It's also time to go. It's not time to learn a different coping strategy or a different tactic to continue to participate with someone who's not all the way, who, who's not able to communicate effectively. I'm so glad you pointed that out because I do think that in certain, in certain spaces in our journey, someone, like you may have been like, you know what, let me go ahead and cope and figure out how to respond to this person. I know I've been in situations like that in the past, but when you get to a certain space in your journey or in your career, it's like, fine, what the fuck shit? Like, we're we not playing those games, right? So I'm glad that you pointed out the fact that I learned that I didn't actually have to adapt to that environment. But goddamn, I can't imagine that working in an environment like that. That sounds like it's anxiety inducing because I grew up in that type of environment. So I'm just like kind of thinking about what you went through being there. Oh my gosh. Okay. So next question for you, Ashley, is aside from wearing jewelry, how can people incorporate gemstones into their daily healing lives? And just tell us more about gemstones in general. I want to learn about it. Yes. Yes. So where do I begin? So gemstones, what I, it was the one science class that I took in my fashion degree. Like talk about kismic and divinity and all the things. I had to take one science class as a fashion major and it was earth science. And so I learned about all the things that happens below us. Right. And gemstones are really amazing in that they used to power our watches. Like that's how powerful quartz specifically, it literally can vibrate to the point of powering our watches. So when people say, oh, it's not real or whatever the, whatever they say, there is actual science behind it. And so that's one aside. The other really cool thing that I like about it is that when I learned about color therapy in my fashion degree, again, it was for marketing and branding and what colors to use, right? And the colors associated with the chakras are similar to those that are associated in color therapy. So using a light blue color, for example, for calming energy, all the light blue stones are used for, for that, for communication to some extent, depending on the stone. And those are the same. It's associated with the throat chakra, which is blue. And so there's all of this symmetry along chakras and color therapy and the types of gemstones that are used to activate or sometimes calm down like an overactive chakra, for example. I specifically created an assortment of gemstone bracelets that I've created to associate with specific work-related challenges or experiences. So 
One bracelet is a truth truth and communication bracelet. It's a blue satellite stone. It looks to me like denim. That's what I think of when I see the the picture. And I wanted it to represent when you wear it, when you have it in your hands, your healing in your hands, I wanted it to represent speaking the truth in in those meetings, to speak the truth and communicate clearly and calmly to that supervisor that you always get into it with or to that coworker that definitely needs to pick up their their side of the project or whatever that the case may be. So thinking about the different circumstances and situations that happened happen in careers and companies and creating gemstones for those specific moments. Okay, real quick. This is a safe space. Let me just say y'all, no judgment, but I've used gemstones in my life. However, I always, I'm so glad you touched on the non-believers because I always thought it was just the power of my belief. And I'm sure that has something to do with it, but I always thought like, oh, I have this rose court. I'm going to use the power of my mind to just power my gemstone. But I didn't realize they were. there's actually science behind it and it vibrates. And Okay. So talk to us about, <laughs> thank you for, for schooling us on that. Can you talk to us about like a ritual of like what you can do to charge your gemstones and also give us the tea on the gemstone for wealth? Because we're trying to manifest these multi-millions. So let, what's the tea on the, the, the yeah, come on, come on. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Now, multi-millions, I'm still working. So, you know, you can only get somebody to the point that you've already been, but you know, I will, I will share what I have. <laughs> so as far as, as far as rituals, I like to like thinking about how you can create work-life harmony. I like to encourage a couple of different things to set the tone for your day. In addition to the wearing bracelets or you utilizing gemstones in your day. So really starting your day with gratitude. Now, when someone told me this in 2019, I kid you not, I was like, I'm too stressed out for gratitude. I don't have it. I'm not grateful for nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. And that was my real response. And then I had to think about it on a very as minute and small and minuscule as possible level. What can I be grateful or thankful for? And sometimes, one, it was just my eyes open. Sometimes it was because I have a bunch of allergy things. And sometimes it was, oh, I actually can speak today or drink hot tea when on some days I couldn't. And so really getting as teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny with my gratitude as possible every morning, every single morning. And then stretching and reflecting. So while I'm doing my stretching, before I even get out of the bed, I learned this from a chiropractor over 15 years ago. He said, before you get out of the bed, move your body. Your eyes are awake. Your brain is awake, but your body is still sleeping. You've been at rest for ideally eight plus hours. So you need to allow your body the time to wake up. So don't jump up and turn off the alarm or go to the restroom. Move your body a little bit, stretch a little bit, thank your body, right? If that's all you got is your gratitude is being like, oh, thank you shoulders for carrying whatever this weight is or neck or whatever, great. And then setting an intention for your day. So I usually do that after the shower and I'm getting dressed and I'm thinking about what gemstones I'm going to put on 
and I set my intention for how I want to feel, not my to-do list, not how many things I got to do that day, not what I'm going to prioritize, but how I want to feel in my day. Oftentimes we are on autopilot, which is great. Our brains need that, (laughs) right? So autopilot is okay. And also how can we be more intentional, intention, no, (laughs) about how we want to feel, right? So I want to feel grounded and centered and less anxious. So I'm going to put on a grounding stone, which is anything black or red, quick cheat sheet, right? I'm going to put on a grounding stone or put a gemstone in my pocket or in my bra. Some people do that. And I'm going to carry that along with me on my day. I personally like the bracelets because I get to see it. I get to look down and see that it's on my wrist. You might, I mean, people lose things in their bras, okay? I don't because, you know, small. But people can lose things in there, okay? So think about how you want to feel. What are your intentions for the day? And then I didn't know how important this was until I got maybe over 30. Actually having a night routine. So all the people with children, y'all kids got routines. You need a routine too. And it cannot and should not be watching Netflix until you fall asleep. That shouldn't be it. You can watch Netflix and then take 10 to 15 minutes to not have a screen in front of your face. Make that a part of your routine because it allows your brain to calm down and get ready for bed. Better go ahead. I love that. I cannot wait to listen back to this episode and start implementing some of those. So thank you so much for that. But I do want to say, speaking of stretching, (laughs) we're going to shift up the energy a little bit in this conversation. All right. So Ashley, (laughs) you're so funny. Can we, can we, can we say what you said before the interview? (laughs) Absolutely. Ashley was like, I'm a little nervous about this segment here, but it's all good. We got you. We got you. So Ashley, because we recognize, appreciate, and celebrate the multifaceted woman, and we believe that it's okay to be bougie and classy and ratchet, you can still be elegant and dance to strip club music, okay? We already know. We want to invite you to the OU Blatchet segment. So do you take on the challenge? I accept the challenge. The challenge is beginning now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now that you've agreed, we're going to tell you what to expect. So we're going to ask you three questions. We're going to share three sentence completions. And we have three photos of you pulled up on the screen. And we'll show them to you in one moment. But we need you to choose a number out of one and three for that. And that's pretty much that's pretty much the OU Blatchett segment. We want you to provide some context about the photos. So let me say that. So we're going to show you the photo, provide some context that we would not know just by viewing the photo. And that's it. So it's not going to be too rough here. We got you, girl. So the first question we're going to eat, we're going to ease it on in. The first question is, what's the best piece of wisdom or advice you've ever received? Control the controllables. It sounds a little wonky, but you cannot control everything. And... All you can do truly, no matter how savvy you believe that you are, is control you. 
Yes, that part. Amen. Okay. So, our next question. I have four words for you. I feel like I know what the answer is going to be because, you know. But, twerk or two step? Body roll. Oh, oh, okay. So it's just go ahead, go ahead. It's this cool little movement. You're rolling the body, you're rolling the hips, maybe a little booty movement, right? So it's it's a good sensual combination, I would say. You can't go wrong with a body roll. We love that. We love it. So, Ashley, what is the sexiest item you own? Don't be shy. The sexiest item that I own are probably the sheer cutout underwear from Savage Fenty. So she did a whole line of crotchless underwear. And I I got a few pair, actually. (laughs) So it's probably that. I like Mm -hmm. that. I'm going to have to Google that crotch. I need some of those. Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to say stone g-string that's what i was waiting for i was just like oh that has a little ring to it okay i love it i love that answer though <laughs> that that sounds like a product right there like actually we okay going ahead get that together and, and sell that i think we mm-hmm. i think that's cute. so now we're on to our sentence completion one question or topic I wish people asked me about more often is growing up in Ohio. One, not many people know that I'm originally from Ohio. So that might be the reason I've lived all over. I met y'all in the Bay and I'm in Atlanta now. So I think Ohio is where it, it crafted me. It, it, put a lot of the beliefs that I have, the ones that I still keep and, you know, created the person that I am. So I would love for people to ask more questions about what it was like growing up in Ohio. That's so funny because next sentence completion happens to be what I would love to tell people about growing up in Ohio is... That was not the real thing, y'all. <laughs> You're the first person that's like, girl, stop playing. But no, we want to know. What what would you tell people about growing up in Ohio? Lots of people say, if they realize that I'm from Ohio, they say there's Black people there. Yes. I grew up in Akron, Ohio, city of LeBron James. There's plenty of Black people there. And also... There was a lot of dynamics that set up racial dynamics specifically. Again, I wanted to study race and gender. I wanted to learn more about me. And growing up in Ohio set a lot of the stage for that interest from middle school really onward in trying to understand why I was often treated differently, either I was one of two black girls in an all white group, or I was the nerdy black girl in the all black group. And just the different dynamics and the different ways that I was perceived or received by others, the 
the many racist and just flat out anti-black comments that I received. One in particular, this white man, younger man, attempted, thought, really, I truly believe he thought he was giving me a compliment. He said, you're so pretty for a mixed girl. And I said, first of all, I am all black. Now, we know historically I might not be, but for this, for this sense, for this moment, sir, (laughs) sir, this is all African heritage here. And that's what you like. So you go figure out what you got going on with that because no. And it wasn't until, so I always knew I was black. Always. So it's now doing the work that I do is interesting to meet people that say that they didn't know that they were black until, I don't know, high school or college sometimes. And when I moved to New York, I realized colorism because I, I really <laughs> noticed what colorism was because I used to wear bone straight sew-ins and people would think I was Dominican people would think I would, and I didn't, I didn't even know Dominicans could be as dark as me. And frankly, I'm, you know, whatever. So I didn't know. I was just like, oh, you think I speak Spanish? How, why would you think that? Oh, you think I'm Dominican, got it. Or having, I would say Jamaicans, but they could have been from another island. When I lived in Crown Heights, calling me royalty because lighter skin is considered royalty. It's considered better than. And I was like, I'm just, I'm black. I'm from Ohio. What are y'all talking about? And so just having that experience and then living in these other cities really shaped, began to shape my perspective and how people may perceive me as a black woman. Wow. Thank you for sharing that and what you sharing with us, what you wanted to know, wanted us to know about coming from Ohio. And so we have our final sentence completion. I have a, based on your last answer, I have a couple of guesses of how you might answer this one, but I'm going to put it out there anyway for you to answer for yourself. What I love most about myself is my authenticity. Oftentimes people say, oh, well, what you shared was so deep or so personal And it just really rolls. Like, I don't feel, it just is easy. It's, it comes, and I really think that it's my gift to encourage other people to be vulnerable, to be authentic, to say the thing that's on their mind. And I think it helps me be a better coach and advisor when talking about extremely sensitive subjects like race in America. Beautiful, beautiful. We appreciate that about you, Ashley. And now we're going to transition to the most exciting, I guess, part of OU Blatchett. We have these photos pulled up. These are some, we be choosing some good photos. These are some badass photos, okay? But we're only going to choose one. So what we want you to do is choose a number out of one and three, and then we'll reveal the photo. Two. Two? Okay, cool. So we're going to go ahead and pull up number two. Oh, this is cute. Okay, so really quick. Ashley, let people know what 
the picture, like describe the picture for folks that are only tuned into the audio and then give us the context behind the photo that we wouldn't know by looking at it. This is cute. You were showing out in Tulum. I saw a lot of photos and I was like, these are hard to choose from. Okay, come on. Y'all, I am serving all kinds of sexy looks in a teal long sleeve. It's actually a top and a skirt. And I'm kind of looking down at the camera in this very like dominatrix kind of way. Like what you say to me, okay? So I don't know, what was I doing? I was in Tulum, having a good time with my homegirls. It was one of their birthdays. And I don't even remember what the caption was, but I was just feeling myself a little bit, you know, it was my first, second time actually in Mexico, first time in Tulum. And, oh, I was talking about liberation. So yeah, I was feeling like getting to all of this goodness and enjoy the view. That's, that was the energy. Period. Enjoy the view. I love it. Come on, show out then. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't want to make you blush. But we are so excited that you participated in this with us. We're going to dive back into some of these questions. But before we jump into like another question, well, I guess I have another random question for you. Can you talk a bit about your journey in exploring the multi, like the multifaceted you? Because I know. We, Dom and I have talked about this and me personally, like being a professional woman, but also embracing the Blatchett side of me and also wanting to share more of that with the world. It can be tricky. And I know we met at Twerk Church, right? At Free the Cheeks, twerking, busting wide open, but we're also like professional women. So talk to us about your journey of like exploring those sides of yourself. Absolutely. My grandmother, who is now 80, was very much a, you should comb your Afro down and, right? Afros don't go down. Okay. That's why they're Afros. And she knew that. But anyway, you know, always be polite. (laughs) You should, you know, be a lady, wear lipstick. She literally told me one time, oh, you're going to get an oil change, put on some lipstick. And that was the woman that, you know, again, she's 80. That was a requirement to not only live, but survive in the time when she was developing, right? And that's that's usually what we remember, right? That pre-development, really, frankly, pre-24, whatever you're doing, unless you change it, that is the same. And so my grandmother thought she was telling me, you know, how to survive in this world, and it's a totally different world. And I think that some of that stayed in me. And so for a while, I was like, twerking? Absolutely not. Trap music, rap music? Absolutely not. Casually using the N-word? Absolutely not. Right? Calling my friends a B and uh, no. (laughs) Fast forward and realizing for myself that two things can coexist. I can respect myself, my body, my friends, and also blurt out a a B or twerk a little bit or et cetera, et cetera, right? Whatever folks may deem as ratchet or 
other words that they may use for that. It is not, it does not take away from my intellect. It does not take away from my degrees. It does not take away from the transformation that I'm able to give my clients. None of those things. And it took a very long time to get to a space to be able to hold two things and knowing that one doesn't delete the other. And I would say a part of that, really a part of what helped me see me without the expectations of society or the expectations of gender roles was being queer. So I came out as a lesbian in 2010. And at that time, I didn't have really any queer or gay friends. I was just like, oh, no, I'm pretty sure this is it. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I'm a lesbian. It's kind of how it happened. And there are some very traditional gender roles still, even within the LGBTQIA plus community. That is very true. And also for me, the people that I was around, they encouraged to wear my hair in an Afro and not have makeup on and not have lipstick on or not always have on high heels or a dress. And so these gender roles and expressions of femininity that I was taught by my family and or society, I learned and witnessed and then got to experience that they weren't necessary. And doing that and, and, being in a community of people that encouraged that was vital to helping me realize that I could have all of these experiences and still be a worthy, valuable, deserving human. Now, that was, I really appreciate you sharing and thank you for being so trained. Again, here you go. Thank you for being so authentic. That's just who you are. That's what you love about yourself. But I do appreciate that. And I don't want to be presumptuous, but I'm assuming that your grandmother was religious or you grew up in a religious environment or household. So I did not. My grandmother, my grandmother raised my mother and she raised her very religious. But my mom was like, nah, you ain't got to go to church. You don't got to do that. Wow. So she changed it up. She was like, I was raised this way. You don't have to do this. Exactly. So it was very much enjoyed, like, if you don't want to go to church on Sunday, you don't have to. And she didn't. So the religion, religious piece wasn't actually a part of my, wasn't a part of my journey that I had to really switch off or shift in any way. It was more the internalized messaging that I received from others that I needed, to, that I got to reexamine and figure out, is this belief mine or someone else's? And do I still want it? That's so powerful and important, right? That there's this recognition that the messaging is, the messaging that you're receiving from others is about them, not about you, right? And, and then having to do your own inner work, right? And, and so I'm wondering, as you were doing your own growth and healing, what role did the gemstones and meditation and what other forms of healing did you bring in 
to like just considering your background, consider like considering all of those things, what role did gemstones play in your healing? Yeah, I would say gemstones came into play after I read The Alchemist and after I read The Four Agreements. So those were two books that I want to say I read for the first time in 2013. This was after two burnouts, <laughs> after I literally stressed myself out to the point of shingles before 25. Yes. So when I tell people burnout, I, I, I understand it on a very deep level. It's real. And I didn't, I didn't go to gemstones initially is, is what I'm getting to. I definitely went to journaling. I journaled. I always had a diary as a kid. So that was my go-to. I was like, let me write these bars down. <laughs> and then after that, it was like, okay, meditation was hard. Similar to my thought process around gratitude. I was like, what is this? Uh-uh, this ain't gonna work. This isn't it. But music and dance have always been a part of me. So realizing that meditation may not look like what it looks like for a monk. It may look like whatever allows you to, I want to say go deep, but also like almost turn your brain off to allow stillness of the mind. So your body can still be moving. So for me, I love listening to music and just freestyle movements and moving my body, figuring out like, oh, I do have this pain in my back and, and just really moving through because the body keeps the score. If you read that book, that's another one. And I, I had to figure out what was meditation for me, essentially. So gemstones came about around 2014 and initially it was just a hobby. I was just making bracelets because it was fun. And then I remembered, you know, that recall, I remembered how the gemstones have this vibration and how I'm learning about chakras and how they are associated. And then it started to come together for me. Like, okay, all of these things can be a part of my healing journey. So journaling, my way of meditation, wearing gemstones and setting intentions, those things were able to put me on a path that felt restorative and healing for me. That is so amazing. And I, I'm definitely going to purchase, wait a second, we have to mention this. I'm definitely going to purchase my bracelets. Tell people, this is not the end of the interview, but tell people where they can find them and tell us about the discount code for listeners, because I want to order mine, but then also I wanted to know what other testimonials or success stories have folks told you about seriously, or they're like, actually, this has been really helpful for XYZ. Like, tell us about those stories. Absolutely. So begincollection.com is where you can find the bracelets and the coaching packages. And then the promo code for all the listeners here is HERSPACE, all caps, and you'll get 20% off. So I don't, I don't do that often, y'all. Go on and, go on and check them out. <laughs> but I would say, dang, I'm like, what's the best success story or testimonial? Often I've made bespoke bracelets or custom bracelets for people. 
And it usually comes from a place of, frankly, pain or grief. And when I started doing that, I recognized a pattern and then that led me to my coaching services. But so one person actually had a family member passed away. And she was like, this is, she almost couldn't even get through the the 20 minute consultation, right? And so I'm kind of picking up on what she's putting down, but it's very sparse and sporadic. And so I got green, I got some grounding energy and that was really it. That was the call. And so typically I ask a lot more questions, but the specific person was just still in their grief. So the next step is for me to send them gemstones to choose from and then prototypes so that they actually, it's a co-creative process. They can say yay or nay to any parts of it. And when I sent her the prototypes, she reflected back, how did you know to include this? Like, it was a dark green stone. It was moss agate specifically. And this areas in which it's good for green in general is money and the heart chakra. And so I wanted to make a connection between her heart chakra in the grief that she was experiencing, as well as grounding stone. So I put some black in there. It was black lava, actually. And she was just like, she was in tears. She was like, this is so amazing. I can't believe that you, in this like choppy consultation that we had, that you were able to pick up all of these things. And so that was one one of my most recent bespoke bracelets. And then also people really, they're reminders, right? And so I've had a lot of people come to me and say, I wore my bracelet and I remembered to set my boundary with my boyfriend. I wore the bracelet and it helped me to be more centered in my day because of X, Y, and Z. And those, that's, that's what I do it for. You know, the, the bracelets are definitely like an entry point. I say to begin your healing journey and by no means the only thing that you can do, but I, I hope that people wear them with the intention of starting a healing journey and knowing that it's just the beginning. So I see I'm on the website right now. I'm about to order my bracelet. So I'm going to get the Harmony and Prosperity green bracelet, obviously. And then I'm going to get the Clear Mind and Discernment purple and green bracelet. And my question is, it says size, and then I have a small wrist, but it says size six and a half, six, and I see seven. Tell us Mm -hmm. about the sizes so folks can know like what to select for themselves. Yes. So... In my attempt to not make jewelry gendered, I don't have men, small, whatever. So think about your watch size. You can measure, there's actually a measurement tool on most iPhones. So you can measure your watch band if you lay it out flat. These are inches. Most people see, and that's, and then, then I get into fat phobia things, right? And I'm like, no. It's not most people, right? So everybody's body is different. So for me, I wear a five and a half. Terry, you know how small and tiny I am, right? So it varies. 
if you feel like you have a small wrist, or I will also say if you know your ring size, there's sometimes an association between your ring size and your wrist. If there's no swelling or other things that might be going on, right? So my ring size for my pointer finger on my dominant hand, which is usually a little bit larger than your other hand, right? Your less dominant hand is a five. And so there's usually an association between the pointer finger, ring size, and the wrist. I hope that helps. And then if not, y'all can DM me or add a note at checkout. Thank you for that, Ashley. I I think folks are looking are gonna be on there and buying up all your all of your bracelets because the I think that the when I'm listening to you and hearing the importance of being in touch with the things that you're healing and finding ways to carry it with you on a daily basis, right? Having these reminders on your wrist is is important. And what I appreciate is that no matter someone's background or upbringing, this is something that can really be helpful for them. And so for folks who, you know, are coming from maybe more conservative or more religious backgrounds or maybe just a little skeptical, right? Give, can you give them three gems that might be an introduction for them into this healing space or this healing modality? Three gemstones or three yeah, like three gemstones. Okay. Sorry, three. Let me yes. Let me be specific. Three three gemstones that might help them get into a space where they feel more comfortable with this? I would say to start with a grounding or root chakra. So an onyx, obsidian, or black lava. Those are negative energy absorbers. They are negative energy blockers in some cases. And I think everybody could use a little extra grounding and protection in that way. So I think that those three would be great starters. And I would, I think I'm going to actually leave it with those three in the root chakra because moving anywhere else starts to get into a little bit more specifics and nuances and if you're not there yet, it might be too much. So grounding and everyone, I, I'm not going to say everyone, most people believe in negative energy or negativity. And so I think that's a good place to start. Thank you for that. Lady, if you're listening, this is only going to be available, this discount code, HERSPACE, for the next 30 days. But it's the 30 days after this episode airs. So you got to look and see what day it airs so you can get this discount. Okay. We'll leave the link in the show notes. And Ashley, if you can let folks know where can they find you on social media, let them know how they can support you, how they can connect with you, all that good stuff. Yes, yes, yes. So you can find me on Instagram predominantly, 
begin with Ashley. You can come to me in my DMs there. I'm also available on my website, begincollection.com. And if you really want to get professional or you want me to come into your business and make your workplace more inclusive, do some advising, you can find me on LinkedIn at Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y, Macklemore, M-C-L-E-M-O-R-E. And on Instagram, that is begin dot with Ashley. Okay, y'all. So go ahead, Ashley, up. Support black businesses, support black people, black women, black, but support everybody black. Okay, we wouldn't for everybody black. Thank you, Ashley. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for just giving us more insight and in, in, in topics to research. So thank you so much. And until next time, until we meet Absolutely. again, Twerk Sister. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This was fantastic. Hey, lady. It's Terry here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. I'm hosting a free podcasting masterclass where I'm going to teach you how to create your impactful podcast and how you can generate multiple streams of income. You can visit podcastwithterry.com to register for free. I hope to see you there. Thanks for joining us today. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, visit our website at cultivatingherspace.com. And be sure to click the Patreon tab to get access to video content, bonuses, and our weekly after show. And before we meet again, repeat after me. Just because I can do it all doesn't mean I have to do it all.